welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning, friends. Good morning, friends. My name is Micah. I'm the lead pastor here at Awaken, if we haven't met. Uh, this is John Mark, if you haven't met him yet. Um, Annie just said on his way up here, don't screw up. So, how you feeling? Horrible. Horrible. Awesome, awesome. Um, so, I joked uh, a while back, usually or often, um, well, twice now, when we've put two stools up here at the front, bad news has come. Um, and I said, you know, hopefully the next time we have two stools on the, on the stage, uh, something else will happen. And in fact, that is the case. Uh, so I just want to let you all know that our good friend, Mr. John Mark Nelson, uh, is uh, hooking up his heart court, horse to this cart. Or, um, he's our new worship leader at Awaken. So Couldn't have said it any better myself. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll nail that second hour, I'm sure. Um, so, uh, I'm just so, so excited. Um, this has been quite a summer in a lot of ways, and, um, it's been a joy for me to get to know this guy and, um, and his just immediate love and sort of connection with this community was very obvious to me. So, um, we just want to get to know you a little bit more and, um, and welcome you. Um, I'll say just briefly some details about the position. Um, it's a part-time position, and uh, one of the things that John Mark does, which we are thrilled about and we support and say yes to, is uh, singing and songwriting and uh, writing and making music. Um, and so that will continue to be a part of his life. Um, over half of, of uh, sort of his vocational time, as it were, will be devoted to that. And then a portion of that, uh, the other portion will be directed to Awaken. And so um, he'll be the primary worship leader on Sunday mornings when we gather uh, and is working with uh, Josh, if you, you, you've met Josh, he led last week, and some other folks who have been around Awaken um, to kind of create a little bit of a, a, a music community in that sort. So, um, John Mark, tell us a little bit about uh, where have you come from? Who are you? It's <laughs> a good question. Um, well, I grew up here in Minnesota. Uh, I, was born, I was actually born in Southern California, and my dad moved our family here to start uh, a church, and I've lived here for 20 years. My dad started a church uh, in the southwest suburbs of the city called Westwood Community Church. Um, interesting. Interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was the worship director there for 20 years until some young whippersnapper came along named Ben Rosenbush. Um, and so uh, after, I, I grew up playing at Westwood and, and helping out there and was involved musically. And then uh, when I was a little older, I started writing and, and playing uh, in a band here in the cities. Um, and I've been at a couple of different churches, uh, both leading and just instrumentally. And um, now I'm here. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. Um, um, why Awaken? That For me, I remember when, I w- when we talked, I was just uh, captured by some of your thoughts on that. So... Why this church? Well, I think it's this, it's this venue for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. First time I walked, walked in here, I was like, wow, <laughs> this is it. The chandeliers and everything. Um, well, uh, I, I think whether you guys know it or not, uh, you guys are a really, really contagious community. Um, and I've been a part of a, a couple different churches, and the one church that I was involved in was, was, was pretty large. And so coming here and, and seeing sort of a smaller group gathered of really uh, sincere individuals that are kind of walking through life together, and you guys just, you guys just nail the, the love thing. Like <laughs> when I came here for the first time, like it felt, it felt like a place that I belonged to, which 
I grew up in a church where I went there for 20 years and, and never really felt that. And so I think whether you guys know it or not, you are have a very palpable pulse here. And when I came into the doors for the first time, I was immediately drawn to that and, and aware of that. And there's just a magnetism to this place that I, I love being here. And um, so it's kind of a no-brainer when it came to why. <laughs> Yeah, I'll just share. Um, I remember v- very vividly um, one of the things you said about Awaken, uh, and you know, to the effect of uh, I've been a lot of different places, and whatever it is that I experienced at Awaken, um, I don't know that I even want to name it, but I've never experienced it anywhere else. Um, which that's when I knew we had him. You had me at hello. Uh, so um, maybe just just briefly, what are some of your hopes and dreams for you know this role and and really making this place home and be uh, becoming a part of this community for you? Yeah, I think I think one of the things that really excites me um, is the idea of creating. I think you might have mentioned this just earlier. Is uh, more than just um, someone that comes in and, and leads on Sunday mornings uh, and is the kind of the face and the voice of of the music. Uh, to help create and nourish um, a culture of musicians uh, and and creators, whether that could, you know that could be art or anything, um, it really excites me to have multiple people involved and multiple voices sharing in what we do here uh, on mornings. And Mike and I have been talking about what that could look like. And uh, essentially, I'm just really excited to be a part of the community rather than someone that comes in. Um, to do a specific task. So I'm really excited to come alongside the wonderful volunteer musicians here and the, and the good people that are involved and, and create something exciting and beautiful together in and, and, and music and song and art and, and everything. So uh, that's, that's my hope. Awesome. Um, I would love to just kind of pray for John Mark. As, uh, officially, he'll begin uh, you know, on the books, as it were, October 1st. But uh, would you join your hearts with me and, um, and pray for this guy? God, we thank you so much for um, all that we've been through and all that is out in front of us. I thank you for John Mark. Um, I thank you for uh, the imagination to be able to see something other than what we've had. And I am so, I'm so excited about the things that are out in front of us and the people that have come. And so, God, this morning I ask just a special blessing on him. Um, on all that he brings to this community and all that he will give and all that he will invest. God, I pray that um, the work of his hands would bear much fruit. I pray that the story of Jesus would be told in beautiful and compelling ways, um, in part because of his effort. Um, So we just receive him into this community. We thank you for him. Uh, We bless you, and we're excited about um, all that you have uh, that you are calling us and inviting us into. And so um, together we all say as God's people, amen, amen. Thanks, brother. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, if you guys want to grab your Bibles, um, I'm going to get rid of these stools because you all know me well enough to know that that won't last. I tried teaching from a stool one time, and it was like, I was just like fidgeting, and finally I just said, I can't do this, so get rid of the stool. I got to move. So if you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 4. I want to just, uh, I want to continue a conversation that I think we started last week. And this will be a little bit abbreviated, I hope, and I pray, because um, we've had some other things that are well worth uh, including. So Exodus 4, verses 1 to 17. We read these last week, but we'll read them again, so I'll ask if you would stand and join me as we read God's word. It says this, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, 
the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. And then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And so Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand in his cloak. When he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. And so Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's, the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well, and he is already on his way to meet you and will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hands so that you can perform the signs with it. God, as we study this text this morning and we again open ourselves up to whatever you might have for us, I pray that it would be very clear. I pray that uh, for each person that came this morning, whether they are uh, amidst joy and happiness and uh, an exciting part of life or an exciting time or, or not, uh, whether it's been difficult or they face difficult and hard things in front of them, um, we ask that you would meet us, that you would give us eyes to see you and ears to hear you, uh, for you are always speaking. We pray in God's, in your name we pray, amen. You can have a seat. So last week we looked at verse 1 of this passage and we looked at this idea of fear. Uh, and I want to continue this conversation and, and focus more specifically on Moses's, or God's interaction with Moses. Now there's all kinds of ways that you could take this text and all sorts of ways that things you could focus on. Um, it's interesting that the staff and the hand become the acts of God in the Exodus story. Uh, almost everything that happens in the Exodus either happens through the staff of Moses or the hands of Moses. So it's, that's kind of an interesting um, uh, precursor or sort of, you know, this is coming. Uh, or the idea that the, the plagues are coming and the, the interactions with Pharaoh's magicians. If you know this story, Moses goes and he interacts with all the magicians in Pharaoh's court. And they often replicate and duplicate the things that Moses is doing. So later in chapter 7, we find he throws the snake on the ground or the staff on the ground. It becomes a snake. The magicians then copy that. And of course, the first plague of the ten is that the water in the Nile turns to blood. So there's lots of different ways you could take this. Uh, sometimes when we study the Bible, we sort of mine a particular passage or a text, and sometimes it gets kind of technical, and we're really kind of trying to say, like, what does this text say, or how do we understand it? And there's a time and a place for that, and that's good. Uh, but sometimes we just let the story read us, and sometimes I will highlight a particular passage or an idea and kind of like go to that doorway and then open it up and just see what's inside. 
Uh, and, and that's a bit more of what we're doing today. And I'm going to do this knowing that I'm skipping the leprous hand and the water into Nile. And I'm really going to focus on this first part. And you may sort of get to the end of this teaching and say, Micah, it kind of seems like you're reading into this a little bit. And I would say you're absolutely right. That's exactly what I'm about to do, which is not foreign to biblical interpretation throughout history. For evangelical Christians, maybe, yes. But throughout history, there's this tradition called Midrash where the rabbis would really kind of play with it and try to live in it and understand like what are the, what's really going on or can you imagine being in that place and hearing those things. And so that's a little bit more of what I'm doing this morning. So let's uh, go ahead and jump in. We ended last week where I said, what was God's response to Moses' fear and insecurity of verse 1? And we sort of stopped there, but I want to follow this, and I want to see what, what kind of a pulse is here. So uh, remember where we are, right? We're at the burning bush. Um, this is, uh, we're there. If a couple of weeks ago we talked about this. God says, stop, don't move, you're there. Hamakom is the word, and it's, this, it's the place is the word that's, that's being translated. And so we're there. We're at the burning bush. Moses has turned aside. He has said hineni, which is this Hebrew word, like here I am, all of me, right here to all of you. Uh, and so suffice it to say that this is a big moment. He's He's just been asked by God to take the Israelites out of Egypt to go into Egypt and get them, which is the most powerful place on the planet, to ask the most powerful person on the planet to let these people go. And so our good friend Mo starts taking stock of really what's being asked of him and fear begins to talk. And last week we explored, but look, fear says, but look, and um, they won't listen or they will say and all these questions that fear brings up. And so how does God respond to Moses in this moment of fear and insecurity and doubt? God begins with a question, which I just find fascinating. I don't know about you, but I am a, since I was a kid, just an insatiable question asker. I was always asking questions about why or how or how does that work or I love to take things apart. And I often get stuck on sort of putting things back together. So like my basement right now, I finished the basement maybe eight, nine years ago. There is still no baseboard trim. My wife can't stand that about me. But I, you know, I'm always like interested in like taking things apart and seeing how they work. And so I find it fascinating that God begins with a question. Does anybody remember the first story in the Bible with Adam and Eve, these two characters? And then there's this, there's this uh, chapter three comes in and, and we're introduced to this serpent. And if you remember the story, Adam and Eve are told not to eat from this one tree and they can eat everything else in the garden. And there's this beautiful relationship between God and humanity and humanity and themselves and the world that they live in. It's, it's called peace or shalom, harmony, flourishing for all. And then of course they eat from this tree and they're no longer, immediately after it says that they were, they were ashamed and they hid. So what they had before was naked and unashamed relationship with God, trust and, and, and back and forth. And then after they ate of this tree, it was naked and ashamed. And so they hid. And does anybody remember what happens next in the story in Genesis 3? They eat, they hide, and then God asks a question. He's walking in the cool of the day in the garden and the question, does anybody remember for like a thousand Torah points, what's the question that God asks? Where are you? Which is a fascinating question, right? From God, the one who made it all, the creator of the universe. He says, where are you? As if God doesn't know where they are or can't see them or 
Where are you? I love that image. I feel like you know, a parent who, they know where their child is hiding, but you, you, know, you kind of play along. Like, hey, where are you? I'm looking for you. Where are you? So God says, where are you? Fascinating question. So review, right? We have naked and unashamed, trusting relationship with Yahweh. The serpent shows up and, and, and questions their trust. Do you really trust this God? Can you really trust this God? Doubt and fear rise up in Adam and Eve, the first humans, and they let fear and doubt dictate their actions. Now back to Moses, if you will. We have this special moment between Moses and God, and Moses starts to voice his fears and his doubts and his anxieties and what comes next. Not an indictment, not a chiding, not a reprimand, but a question. Reminiscent of the garden, is it not? And the question is quite simple. What is in your hand? What's in your hand, he says. And I would suggest that this question is less to do with what's in your hand and more to do with something else. It's sort of that old adage of it's the question behind the question that we're really after. What's in your hand? Well, we'll get there. Review, right, Moses, he's born to a woman who puts him in an ark. He's raised by an Egyptian mother who raises him as an Egyptian until the point when he sees a, a, an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, which the scriptures call his people, and then he flees Egypt because he's killed the dodgy fellow who was beating his countrymen, and he flees to Midian, right? And he's out in Midian, tending or wandering around. He happens upon a well where he finds the daughters of Zipporah. He's invited back to dinner, and then he marries them all, because that's what you do. You go to dinner, and then you marry their daughters. And then, he's been, since then, he's been wandering around in the desert, watching the sheep of his father-in-law, which is why he's out in the desert, and why, he, or, or, or why he's out in the place where the bush is burning, and he sees that. So he's been taking care of these sheep in the desert. It's why he's out there. And on the day when he finally sees the bush that had always been burning, as one Midrash says. Now replay God's question one more time. Now that we've done that work, what is in your hand? And the answer, of course, is a staff. The pen that I hold in my hand is royal blue. That's from Liar Liar, Jim Carrey. Couldn't resist. So he has a staff in his hand. Why? Because he's a shepherd. This is what he does. This is what he knows. This is who he is. Question for you. What does the staff represent to Moses? What does the staff represent for Moses? This is an all play. Just shout out. As you think about this story, what does the staff really represent in it? Shout them out. Discipline. Shepherding. Control. Job security. Familiarity. Somebody over here I heard. Confidence. Confidence. Protection. A sense of self, a sense of vocation, a sense of purpose in life. So God's question, what's in your hand? Maybe you could say it this way. What's your name? Who are you? What's your identity? Who do you, what do you depend on? What's your livelihood? What defines you, gives you purpose and meaning, value and significance, a role to play in the world? What's in your hand? You come from all kinds of different places. I know this to be true. You walked in these doors this morning from fill in the blank, right? And I guess I wonder what's in your hand. If this is a question that's about the question behind the question, and this staff is a symbol of something else, it's a symbol of 
of job security, of, of, of value, of significance, of a role to play, of, of a place in the world, of what he knows to be true and understands as normal, what's in your hand? I think for some of us, it's motherhood, fatherhood, it's a paycheck, it's a job, it's where I am on the org chart. teacher, therapist, pastor. What's in your hand? What is the thing that sort of gives you meaning and purpose and, and, and a place and a role to play in the grand scheme of things? This isn't a question about like what's that thing that's in your hand with the crook on it. I wonder if they even had those back then. I don't know. Maybe they did. But I would submit that this is a question about something else. It's a question about right here. Who are you? What defines you? What role do you play? What voice do you have? What significance? And then it gets juicy. Because God then says, give it to me. Or throw it down. Give it to me. Would you set it down? Would you put it down? Would you let it go? So here we have Moses with serious doubts and fears and a lack of trust in Yahweh and what he's been asked to do, go get the Israelites. And then we have God asking a question about identity and purpose and significance, and then God asks Moses to put it down. If you're Moses, and you've just been asked this question, and now you're asked to put this thing down, what do you have left? Not a trick question. Not much. Nothing. There you are. Right? If you've just laid down that which symbolizes your significance and your name and your voice and who you are and what you know and what you do day to day, if you've just set that down and there you stand before God, what do you have? Nothing. You're naked and, oh, hey, recognize that. I just think it is so fascinating how the scriptures do this where we find these moments, these themes, these scenes in the, in the Bible and then if you look for them, I would suggest that they, are, they repeat themselves again and again and again. Genesis 1, Mark chapter 1. Creation, water, spirit, hovering, a voice, Mark chapter 1. Spirit, Jesus, the voice from heaven. It's, it's there. Will you give it to me? There's Moses standing before God, naked and exposed, masks off. So fear and doubt leads to a question, which leads to an invitation to be naked and unashamed before God. Sometimes I wonder if, a to, if the tune that the scriptures is playing isn't a bit like the, the sirens of the sea. Do you remember this story from Greek mythology? This, this, these voices that would call in the sailors. You know, and it was this beautiful voice that they just couldn't, they couldn't say no to, and eventually, of course, they crashed upon the rocks, which is a terrible story. But I wonder if this, the tune that the, that the scriptures is singing is one that's saying, come back to the garden. Come back to the place that you were created to be. Come back to the place from which you were created to live, which is naked and unashamed before God. And with, with humans, which that's a scary, that's a dodgy uh, deal, because this is what you're made for. Relationship, unhindered, me, you, God, the world that we live in. The, the Hebrews call this peace, shalom. Now, what comes next is both predictable and I think really, really interesting. So the staff becomes a snake, right? So whenever the, the serpent shows up in the story of God, 
we find doubt always nearby. If you go back and you find all the, the places where the serpent shows up in the story, you, this, this idea of doubt and questioning is always nearby. But interestingly, the symbol of his identity and vocation and strength and voice and name, his livelihood, his gold, turns into a serpent. What always shows up when the serpent shows up is doubt, but also a choice. And more often than not, the choice is between me and something else or someone else. Selfishness. Remember Adam and Eve's conversation that they have. Do you really trust this God? Do you really believe that God has got, got your best interest at heart? Oh, you can take care of yourself. You can, you can become like God too. And so we're, here we have doubt and a choice about serving self instead of serving something else. When your identity and your name and your voice, when they go the wrong direction, they always end up here. If we were made for others, but we use our strength and our voice to serve self, when we constantly and consistently choose ourself over others, despite the fact that you're feeding yourself, it always ends up empty. And so God moves this conversation along and he says, okay, what's in your hand? Staff, lay it down. It becomes a snake. And then, I love, this is just awesome. God says, pick it up by the tail. Now, everybody knows, anybody who knows anything about snakes, and if you've watched any crocodile hunter, you know this, right? Lyndon, my youngest, has a, just a crush on, on uh, the late, great, uh, whatever his name was, Rick, uh, Steve Irwin. Uh, you never pick up a snake by the tail. That's the last place you would ever pick up a snake, a poisonous snake. Why would you do that? And I think this brings us right to where I want to go today, which is a question about, do you trust me? Here lies on the ground, or what was in your hand, this staff, this symbol of who you are, your, your voice, your power, uh, the, the tove, the seeds of tove that are in you, that God has given you, all the gold that God has put in you. Here it is. Now put it down which is this interesting juxtaposition between that which can be used for good and for God's purposes as gold and as, as something that's beautiful, and then when it's not or when it goes the other direction, it turns into something that's deadly and can kill. And then God says, that which you maybe even fear the most, your own voice, your own power, your own name, the thing that God has given you to give to the world and to, and to, to live from that thing which I think for many of us, we fear because of the power and significance that it actually could have. Pick it up by the tail. So here's Moses, naked and unashamed before God, in a very vulnerable position. And God says, now take that thing and pick it up by the tail. Do you trust me? Which I think is a very, very interesting question to ponder, to think about. And maybe you're here this morning and the answer is no. No, I don't trust you. Because I have cancer. And it's not supposed to go this way. Maybe your answer is no, I don't trust you. Because that person was supposed to love me well and they didn't. So how do you explain that? Maybe God says to you, do you trust me? And you're like, actually, not sure on that one. Okay, good place to start. 
Do you think God's interested to hear the answer to that question from you? Even if it's no? Do you think God wants that kind of person who's honest and says, actually, I'm having a really hard time trusting you? I want to suggest that the answer to that question is yes. And that too often... We push people to get to the point where it's not so raw and not so uh, real, but where it's like, yeah, I'm working on it. I'm getting there. I'm trying. And I just want to say that this morning, if maybe in no other place, I don't know, that that answer to that question, it's okay. And if we start there, okay. So we talk about permission to question at Awaken. We talk about trying to create a community where you can bring all of it before God and lay it out. And I want to say that's true. A beautiful interaction between God and Moses. What's in your hand? What do you possess? What do you hold? What's the tove in you? What are the seeds of, of, of good that God has put in you that God wants to come out? What's in your hand? And will you lay it down? Will you allow someone else, something else to define you, to give you value, significance? Will you hear one voice? This is my son whom I love. This is my daughter whom I love and I am well pleased. Will you allow that voice to define who you are, your significance and your value? And will you begin there? Will you trust this God who created you and who put these things in you so much so that you would pick it up by the tail? And I just find it so fascinating what happens next. Does anybody remember? It comes the staff again. What does Moses get back? What does God gift him after this important crossing of the Rubicon? He gets who he is. He gets what God has called him to do. He gets his name. He gets... But without that process, do you trust me? Will you lay it down? Do you trust me? Will you lay it down? Do you trust me? There's often something missing. And that's the invitation this morning, to, to, to navigate that space. Because before and after, seemingly the same thing, right? There he stands with a staff in his hand. But something very important has happened along that journey. Will you lay it down? Will you trust me? Pray with me if you would. God, as we uh, consider and wonder and think about this story in particular and this person, Moses, who it's told had an encounter with you at a bush, in some ways it's so far off and we can't even imagine what that might be like. And in other ways, we can think about those moments where you broke through the monotony of the day and our attention 
our gaze was fixed and there was an interaction. God, I pray this morning as we think about all of the things that you have given us, all of the ways that you have shaped us and formed us as individuals, the names that we have, the places from which we can speak, the tove, the seeds of life, the seeds of that which is good that are in us that you want to come out. Would you find us wherever we are on this journey? And would you invite us, as you do, to whatever next steps, whether that's laying something down, whether that's hearing the one voice, this is my son, this is my daughter, and allowing that to define us, allowing, allowing that to be the place from which we get life. Will you put it down? Whatever job you have, whatever role you play, whatever significance you bring to the day, would you put it down? And do you trust me? Do we trust you with our very selves, our very hearts, naked and unashamed, standing before you? And so wherever we are this morning on that, God, I pray that as we think and as we reflect in these few moments that you would like, to, like you did with Moses, that you would speak to us. Whatever it is that we need to hear, whatever encouragement we need, whatever push, whatever invitation, whatever exhortation we might need. God, that it would come in your voice, that we would hear in your voice. My hope and my prayer uh, for you today as you leave this gathering is that you are encouraged that you know that God invites you to trust him, to be in a relationship where there's honesty and authenticity and vulnerability and all of the things that make us come alive as humans, that you know that that's what God looks like and that's what God wants. Uh, so be encouraged. Um, whatever next step that is for you, uh, I want to invite you to take it with courage. Uh, sometimes it takes a lot of guts to do whatever it is that next thing is. Um, so there's lots of people here at Awaken. We try to love each other well. Uh, we want to do this together. And so um, whatever that looks like, um, say yes to it. Tell a friend. Grace and peace. Love you guys. Find us online at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.